It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. The editor-in-chief of the very athletic Bay Area, Jim Kawakami. Jim Kawakami, who has covered the NBA for over two decades. It's time now for the TK Show on the Athletic Podcast Network. Hey everybody, Tim Kawakami here at TK Show, recording from the home studio as always. Though there might be some in-the-field recording coming up as the Warriors playoffs begin. But this one's in the home studio with a nice sound. And as my guest, my friend, very familiar NBA authority, uh, man about town now on the East Coast, but with lots of West Coast experience, lots of West Coast experience with the NBA with me, it's the great Howard Beck. Uh, let me just do this because I don't think you got it for the when I heard you with, with Zach earlier this week. What up, Beck? <laughs> I do. I do. My family actually likes that, so I, I had to throw that. If Zach's not going to do it, then I'm, I better step you know, into the void. Thank, thank you, Kawakami, for for looking out for uh, not just me, but you know, for basketball fans, oh, especially um, fans of niche basketball pods, because <laughs> uh, Zach is the one who brought that that uh, that phrase to life. It's become. Uh, a tradition of sorts. Uh, he abandoned it this week. I was thrown. I was clearly rattled hear, in the moment. I could hear. I, could hear. Um, I brought it up, and he still. He was just. He was so. <laughs> he just had to get straight to the the fascination of the play in and the playoffs and everything else. It just. He just. There was no time for it. He did not have the the um, the bandwidth in that moment. So thank he, you. For, he was uh, committed for to the basketball. Clearly we are not on this podcast. We're just into the conversation <laughs> and I had to do it. And there's such great meaning to that one. And I didn't do it for you, Howard. I, I did it for That's the fine. people, for the people. You're, you've always been a man of the people. <laughs> Hope back. Okay. We, I, you know, I thought of you because of Warriors Kings. I know you're East coast based and you're all Knicks, 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 Knicks. Clearly you're just fascinated by that team, but uh, you do have associations with, with, the Kings, the Kings coverage, you and I, I think, and you, you brought this up and I was going to bring it up later, but you brought it up when I was talking to you about having you on the show. And let's just start with it. I mean, Warriors, Kings, are you reminded of maybe some of those Lakers, Kings series that we covered? Does it have a, fi- a familiar kind of giant versus little guy? If, if that's the way this is in, in some generalization, do you feel a similarity there? Uh, yes. And it's funny because, all right, so you and I both grew up in the Bay Area. You and I met each other in LA when you were working for the Times and I was working for the LA Daily News and we were covering the Lakers. So I think we both have like a kind of similar experience or vantage point here where you grew up in the Bay Area at a time when the Warriors were mostly crappy and irrelevant for a, a lot of our childhoods. Uh, the Niners and, and Raiders and A's and Giants, anybody else, somebody else was always bigger than the Warriors. They were way down the list of interest for, for most of our lives. And then during the time when the Kings were, you know, actually really, really good was when you and I were living and working in L.A. covering the Lakers. And yes, 
There was absolutely no question. These things sometimes fall into these easy cliches, these these traps and these tropes of big market, small market, glamour team, you know, hard, scrappy team from the, you know, place that nobody, you know, gives much, pays much mind to. All this stuff, right? Sacramento versus Hollywood. We heard a ton of that hmm. when we were covering those series. And, you know, it's typical in the NBA, right? Especially if you're a small market team. And especially, I think, for Sacramento, even more so in some ways, like unlike Portland or San Antonio, which were both Laker rivals back in the day, too, and in smaller markets, the Kings were in Sacramento, California's capital. But you can't even, you know, you, you can't even lay claim to California because those big, bad, obnoxious, glitzy Hollywood guys from L.A., uh, are always stealing the spotlight and they get all the calls and they get all the national TV games and they get all the acclaim. That stuff was very, very real at the time. And spinning it forward, yeah, I mean, look, if, if you're the Kings who haven't made the playoffs in 17 years, if you're a Kings fan who, by the way, that it's always been a really interesting thing, right? So, you know, I went to school at UC Davis. I was in the Sacramento area for a very long time and I, I have uh, relatives there now. Sacramento, on the one hand, is an extension of the Bay Area when it comes to baseball and football. They claim the same teams. Yep. The Sacramento Bee covers the same teams as if they are the local team, or at least they did once upon used a time. To, I don't know to. if they do now. Yeah, used not to. Re not really uh, now. Not really yeah, now. Yeah, sorry. It's sad, yeah. sad state of newspapers. But they covered the A's and Giants and Niners just like the Bay Area uh, papers did. The one place where there was a distinction and a firmly local identity was with the, the NBA because they had the Kings and the Kings were great while the Warriors were mostly crappy. Um, and now here we are. Uh, it's taken a long time for the Kings and Warriors to be good at the same time. And lo and behold, here the Warriors are still the only living dynasty in the NBA, but as the lower seed and without home court advantage against the Kings. And, and yet still, I'm guessing that the small market complex is still present because they know they've been overshadowed. They know that the Warriors have the bigger stars and all the banners. And yeah, that's going to feed into the, the energy around this series for sure. And that stuff tends to trickle down too, right? Mike Brown came from the Warriors. He's going to feel it. Vivek Ranadive came from the Warriors. He's going to feel it. De'Aaron Fox and, and Sabonis don't necessarily have any association with any of that as, as young players who are, you know, have not spent a ton of time as, as fixtures in uh, Sacramento. Um, but I'm sure they feel it on some level too, just as NBA players who know that the glamour of the Warriors, uh, kind of, uh, of has its own, it's its own entity, right? So yes, um, I, I feel like the energy around this and the, the chip on the shoulder and the, um, the small market, uh, grievances and, and let's, it's just kind of a complex I think is still in play. I just, when I, you asked me about Lakers, Kings, now I covered, 2000. I did not cover the other series after, at least the you know the big one, the the, the, the game six, Tim Donahue stuff. But um, 2000. Quick, quick yes. point of fact: Tim Donahue did not referee game yes, six. I, was, I knew you were going to say. I knew you were going to say that. I, I, I he, <laughs> he has commented just frequently about yes. that one. Yes. Uh, my point is, I covered the 2000. You asked me about that series, and all I can think is cowbells, cowbells, and Phil Jackson calling it a semi-civilized uh, area, and, uh, and and that they were that the fans were redneck in some form or fashion. There you go. That's a good one. Oh, I forgot that. I think that was Phil, my question. Yeah, that's possibly I Phil. Phil Phil <laughs> loves in some form or fashion. That was one of his go-to phrases. And yes, he did, couldn't just say they were redneck. He said they were redneck in some form or fashion. 
fashion. And he did say semi-civilized. And uh, Shaq did call them the queens, yes. uh, highly uh, sexist put down, uh, yes. to say the least. Um, would play a little differently today than it did back yes. then, although I'm not sure yes. it went over well even then. No. Uh, Going to be that same atmosphere, you think? I mean, in, in, different arena that was arco arena yeah. which was a barn and we were sitting right there and it felt like the cowboys were all pointed at us that's what it felt like the cowboys we were, were literally yeah. right behind us that yes. section yes because we sat next to the the lakers the, bench the yeah. lakers bench the visitor bench and so the fans who brought cowbells to try to ring them literally over there and you could you could practically reach the players as tightly as that place was seated and so, yes, they were like trying to ring the bells as, as close to their heads as and their ears as they could, which meant as close to our heads and ears because they were <laughs> closer to our heads and ears because yeah, we were in, in between them. It was it, it was <laughs> it was rough at times. Oh my god! I, I I did feel. Remember they burned that Laker jersey like before the game, right? It was in the middle. Right. Of, it was like violent. That. It was like it was like violent. yeah, that was like part of the pregame hype. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I was like, this is getting verging towards the not, you know, a little bit tricky. I, I did not love that and being in the between it. Anything yeah. like that? I mean, I mean, Golden well, One is a different arena. I think it's different years, and I don't think there's that hatred that the Kings felt. The Kings fans, at least, felt towards the Lakers. It's more familiar, maybe you know, more like yeah, you're right. It's more like a complex than it is hatred. But yeah. you think there's going to be some of that energy in that arena? I've never been in that arena, by the way, which is ridiculous. But this will be my first time in that new arena, which I've heard great things about. Um, I've been in the arena only during the off season to take a quick tour. I have not actually attended a game there yet. So uh, I can't speak to the vibe now compared to 2000, 2002. But I suspect, especially after all the just the the pent up everything emotions and the the and the the pure joy and and just uh ecstasy of them actually being able to be a playoff team again and a high ranking one is at that i imagine the energy in that arena is going to i don't know if you can rival arco just as chase can't quite uh, you know rival oracle right the second you get a brand spanking new arena that's bigger and more spacious and and a different configuration yeah yeah. it it always sucks a little bit of the air out it can't you can't quite replicate what you had and so i i imagine probably similar for golden one center but i i can't i can't speak to it i haven't been there um it's also kind of it is an interesting the one distinction in the dynamic uh, Kings versus Warriors versus Kings versus Lakers. Again, you and I as Northern California natives who grew up in the Bay Area, like you grow up hating LA as part of like, it's it's just in your DNA. And so I think um, the, like it's the one thing Warriors and Kings fans still have in common, right? They probably all resent LA and all <laughs> resent the Lakers and, and everything about them. Um, and so I don't think, I think you're right. Like rivalry um, and, and, and whatever tension between, you know, Sacramento and the Bay Area, like there's probably some stuff there, but I don't think it could, it could be nearly as uh, intense as any kind of Northern California versus LA rivalry. It's all that focus on that angry Harrison Barnes, that vicious, vicious personality <laughs> going out, going to destroy people. Hey, he might, he might, uh, but uh, we all know uh, Harrison. He's he's a nice guy who doesn't really play like that. Well, let's you mentioned it a little bit. Uh, this is the Warriors dynasty. We're still talking about it as a dynasty. At least I do. They did win a championship last season. Looked a little bit up in the air, certainly during times of season or possibly over at times of season. There has been a little bit of a regeneration lately. You could, they're getting Andrew Wiggins back, but 
you know, is this the end? Uh, are, are you feeling that this is the end? Or do you think that they have a chance to win the title this year and that this could extend even past this season? Yeah, it's interesting, right? So there are times with dynasties or just with longstanding um, powerhouses, forget dynasty for, for a moment, even like the LeBron Heat teams, you could see... I don't know that we all could have predicted, some people did, but very few people would have predicted that he was going to leave the heat after four years and go straight back to Miami or go straight back to uh, Cleveland. Um, but the end of that four-year heat run, they were on fumes. You know, Wade's knees were creaking. Um, you know, all, Shane Battier and Rashard Lewis and all these older guys, I think Rashard Lewis was still on that team. Like they all, they just looked like old and creaky, even if LeBron was still in his prime. And you could just, there was something in the in that loss to San Antonio where you could kind of feel the end was there. Shaq and Kobe, for sure, um, in 2004, when they're losing to the Pistons and Shaq and Kobe want nothing to do with each other, Kobe's not passing him the ball and, and it's the finals. Um the Malone stuff, the Peyton stuff, you know, Derek Fisher, Rick Fox are getting older. Robert Ory's already left. Like you could feel the Laker dynasty, the Shaq Kobe dynasty disintegrating. You could see it. And I think it's, sometimes you can see it and it's pretty clear. In the Warriors case, we thought we saw it in 2019. Like they didn't just lose in the finals. They lost with Kevin Durant going down with a, a major injury, Clay going down with a major injury, everything just feeling like it was just just over it, it like there was nothing but just despair in in the in in the the atmosphere that night in 2019 and then lo and behold they come back shock everybody with another championship the dynasty lives i don't know how to i don't know how to view this moment like it doesn't you're closer to it than i am you you you're there in the bay area i'm 3000 miles away but there's nothing about this season where I've thought definitively this feels like the end. Now, the Bob Myers element has cast a different kind of shadow. Um, Draymond's potential to opt out, you know, Clay's contract, the, the punch in the preseason, whatever. Like all these things you could say all point to this thing kind of crashing under its own weight and that the end is near. You look at the age, the mileage, all of it. And it's fair, but I don't, I don't sense it the same way I strongly sensed it in a couple of those other cases I mentioned where you could just see the end coming. Or or obviously, famously in the case of the Chicago Bulls, where Phil had literally called it the last dance and everybody knew it was over after that season. Um, this feels like it could still tip either way. And you, and you wrote, about, wrote about this, I think it was this morning, right? Uh, yep. t today or yesterday. Like you wrote about this, uh, I, I think very clearly that... Um, it, it could be and it couldn't be. Here's all the elements. Here's all the variables. But if they win it, how do you not run it back to try to win a sixth and match the the, the Jordan Bulls? Um, if you lose it, I guess it depends on what round you lose and how you lose and how everybody looks. But um, I will say this just real quick. I've been a Warriors optimist still all season, whether that's me clinging to some sense of Warriors nostalgia, whether that's just a, a, a belief in what that organization is, and that and those players are able to constantly do, or whether it's just the very fact that listen, they started off the season with one team and they're ending it with a different one, um, in terms of the rotation. And Clay is better than he was a year ago when they won it all. And you know Steph is still playing at an incredibly high level, and Draymond's playing at a high level. And the core of the team that won it all in June is still there now that they got back Gary Payton, and now that Wiggins is back from his family issues. Like, and in a wide open West. Uh, yeah, I, I, I can't figure this this Western Conference out, Tim. But 
if, if we're in the, the scenario where it's like you have to make the pick, who's coming out of the West? I'm as likely to pick the Warriors as any other team. Phoenix, that's the team. I'm, I'm obviously Durant. We know they're not as deep and they are an injury or two from not being a team that many would would fear. Chris Paul has tired out and uh, at the end of uh, long postseason runs. But is that the team you're circling if it wouldn't be the, the Warriors? So everybody looks at Phoenix first beat for the obvious reasons, right? Kevin Durant is just that great. And Kevin Durant plus Booker and Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton, that quartet is incredibly talented. Um, and Kevin Durant, as we always say, is the, you know, the ultimate plug and play superstar, blah, blah, blah. There is no precedent for a player joining a team, playing less than 10 games and leading them to a championship in the same season. Like there's just, it does not happen. It may happen. And if it does, we will never be able to, to use that particular framework again. But as of right now, there's no precedent for a player like Durant joining a team, playing a handful of games, and then taking them to the championship. Um, and so I still don't know how to properly assess the Suns. There is the injury risk with, you know, two of their best players, Durant and Chris Paul. Uh, there are some questions about depth, I think. And they just have never been together. And so, you know, you and I have both covered this league a long time. Things like words like chemistry and continuity. And, you know, we talk about, especially with the Warriors, the Draymond, Steph Curry um, kind of telepathy that they have and how incredible that is and how you spend all these years together and all these playoff series and how that could then manifest itself in all these really important ways at critical times in a game. Well, if all that means anything, then it has to mean something for the team that doesn't have it also. Like, how can we say all those things matter? So I've tested this with some coaches and scouts in recent weeks. Like, am I crazy to downgrade or at least have skepticism about the Suns based on those ideas? And they said, no, like th that stuff's real. Like how well you're tied together defensively, you know, the, how, how crisp your rotations are, how in sync you are with each other. And especially, you know, two minutes to go in a game five of a tied series or something in a hostile environment, whatever. Like that's when your familiarity with each other and that sixth sense really matters. And the Suns can't possibly have that if Durant has played whatever it's been. Eight Seven, games. eight games? Eight games, yeah. They've won all of them, but it's been only eight games. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You know, I do look at that. I also think there's never been a player like Kevin Durant to change his team mid-season. Mid I don't I think there's never been a player like him, right? We just haven't seen Michael Jordan or Dirk Nowitzki or Larry Bird or Magic switch teams in the middle of a season and go to a good team like he did. Uh, but all your points are well taken. Uh, it would be fascinating to watch this hat go, and then we'll be able to see them in the playoffs and start against the Clippers. But... All you know, who who's knocking them off? That's the thing. Like it's all relative, right? I yeah. mean, they could have issues. They could not be totally in sync, and they could still win because I'm not sure. You know, yes. I think all of this is presuming that Denver, the one seed, isn't as imposing as one seeds can be. And I, I just look at the Suns and saying, I think they can beat 
I can think they could beat the Nuggets. I think they could beat the Warriors. I think they could beat the, whoever you line up against them. I think they could include starting with the Clippers. But let's look at this like long term. Like we're talking Warriors dynasty and whether or not they win it this year. Let's say they don't win. Let's say they get through two rounds, maybe end in the second round, maybe get to the third round. I don't know. Like the question there is, like, can they still win it? They're asking, can we still win it? And I don't know. I think the field is still pretty clear. Like, do you see a team emerging, whether it's in the West or even out of the East? Like, that could be the next team. Like, we got this league now. Not saying that was exactly the Warriors. So it was for, you know, for several years. It was for four years. They went three out of four. Um, is there a team where the Warriors go, wait a minute, we can't beat that team going into the future. So maybe we got to retool here. Or is that still a wide open field? I think in the West, it's still kind of wide open, right? So um, one of the funny things of the last month or two of the season is that as I've made the rounds and asked people who's coming out of the West, no one ever says Denver, nor do they say Memphis, nor do they say Sacramento. In all the years that I've been covering this league, I don't recall a year where the top three teams in either of the conferences were kind of, I don't want to say dismissed, but they just weren't the clear favorite. Like if there's a clear, there is no clear favorite in the West, but the team that everybody gravitates to the most, as we talked about, is Phoenix. And if it's not Phoenix, then it's the Warriors. And if it's not the Warriors, and sometimes it's the, well, if the Clippers get Paul George back in time, it takes a while before anybody actually gets to, you know, I think the, like the Nuggets could come out of the West. No one says they can't, but no one predicts that they will. <laughs> and they don't, they don't consider the Grizzlies and Kings at all. So the top three teams in the conference are are, it's as if they're, and uh, Kirk Goldsberry from ESPN had a great graphic the other day where he was matching up the standings versus the, I think it was the championship odds or whatever, and just lines going from one column to the next and showing that like the top three teams in the West, you had to go, you know, downward diagonally to, to, to put them where they are for the odds. And then the, you know, Warriors, Clippers, even the Lakers, I think all, all, all had to go um, ahead. And it's, it's bizarre. Um, I made this 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 crack in a uh, little blurb for for GQ.com where I'm writing for for the time being. GQ um, Howard Beck, you put those those letters together. It's just as perfect. everybody always knew would happen. <laughs> Me and GQ, two peas in a, 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 a undersized pod. Um, You're taking them in an interesting fashion direction. Let's put you know, that. in some form or fashion. I wrote in a blurb for them. Um, this is we've the NBA is like obliterating Bill Parcells's you are who your record says you are axiom. Like the Warriors are not who their record says they are. And I don't think the Lakers are who their record says they are. And the Suns are not who their record says they are, especially relative to the teams above them in the standings. So uh, there there's the conundrum for the NBA this season. So going forward, so you asked about like, all right, so who are the Warriors having to worry about or if they were to lose uh, short of the championship, who are they chasing for the next few years? I mean, Jokic is the two-time MVP with, with still the possibility of a third straight, but they don't play defense. He doesn't have a second star. There seems to be kind of a, a little bit of a built-in ceiling to the way that team is constructed. But hey, you know, the, the Nuggets can retool. Um the Grizzlies have been the young up and coming team, but you know, they, they're, there's some growing pains there of, of sorts. The Kings are really good right now, but they'll have the same problem the Nuggets do. Like, okay, at some point you got to figure out how this team with all this offensive firepower is going to defend. Um, and we and the Suns thing could be very short-lived. You know, Chris Paul's already showing like clear erosion, and Kevin Durant can't stay healthy for more than, you know, 50% to 60% of a season. So I don't know that anybody's got the sustainability right now in the West or the the combination of high-end talent and sustainability. I think it's wide open. You know, if I'm looking out East, 
I'm thinking, well, Boston is great already and still young. Like the Celtics, unless Jalen Brown pulls the ripcord, um, that, that, that team should be a contender for many years to come. Um, the Bucks have some age issues around Giannis. You know, Giannis is, is great and still in his prime, but like there's, there's some creakiness around him. Um, you know, you have other, other interesting, interesting young teams, right? Like the Thunder are definitely, you know, going to be on their way soon. The Pelicans, if they ever get Zion healthy, have a lot going for them. Uh, but is there a team in the West that I feel like is the clear successor to the Warriors uh, as the, the, the pace setters for the next three to five years? Like, I don't think that's clear. Yeah, that's one way. You know, I wrote the whole thing about the stakes. And if they lose to the Kings, they could be breaking up. And that's certainly true with Draymond and Myers. That's just that is decisions that have to be made, and we don't know. But also, even if, you know, to go against that column's point a little bit, you may you know, if they lose to the Kings, who who they like? Oh oh, we can't beat this team again next year. If we get a full season of Wiggins, we get a full season of Gary Payton a second. Like there is a reason to say even if they lose the series. Contrary to the point of my column, and I will disagree. You know, I believe that. But you could say, eh, you know what? We had a weird year, but let's go. Steph's still great. Let's just run it back again. I don't think they would make that decision if they lose to the Kings. But that is certainly live and out there. Uh, I want to move this quickly. We'll, we'll end this uh, in a little bit. But I don't know if you're a Hall of Fame voter ever will be a Hall of Famer. I know you can't say if you are. It's this weird secret thing. But as we look at this Warriors dynasty, we know Curry's a Hall of, obviously a Hall of Famer. I think Draymond is pretty much guaranteed to be a Hall of Famer. Who else? Do you see coming out of this group as a Hall of Famer? Clay? I mean, I think, yeah, I think Clay gets there. I, th I think Clay gets there. Um, I mean, look, let's let's be clear. <laughs> not only do we not know who the voters are, we don't know what the standards are yep. or if there are standards. You know, it's not like with the Baseball Hall of Fame where you can like look at certain, um, you know, statistical plateaus and certain precedents and say, if this person's in, this person's almost assured to be in. If you get to these certain markers. I don't know what it takes to get into the Basketball Hall of Fame. And it's not even just a basketball or not even just an NBA Hall of Fame. It's a Basketball Hall of Fame. So all of your other stuff, Olympics, gold medals and yep, Olympics. Yep. Yeah. College, um, you know, probably AAU titles for all I know. Um, <laughs> I don't need someone else to be as more cynical than me about the Hall of Fame. <laughs> I'm the cynical one about the Hall uh, of Fame. I mean, um, Clay, Iguodala, Kerr. Would you go? Would you put those three in just just well, all right, off so the top of your head? I think Clay is to me. To, if it if, if it were my decision, I think Clay is a lock. One of the greatest shooters of all time. Part of the greatest shooting backcourt of all time. Four championships um, and and potentially more. Um, I I think Clay is there. The, like his his central role to not just a one of the you know look. There's only been a handful of dynasties in NBA history, and he was part of a team that was considered for a couple of years there as possibly the best the best talent in, in the history of the game, right? The best team in the history of the game. Um, people can argue that if they want to, but uh, so I think Clay goes, I obviously Steph is in, I think Draymond is in, I think Steve Kerr is a lock. Um, again, we are, we, we say these things without having any idea how this actually works. Um, Bob Myers. I don't know how many, like Jerry Krause made it right. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. That was a lot Took of pushing. Yeah. A lot of Colangelo pushing. Yeah. I mean, Reinsdorf, Colangelo yeah. pushing on that like one. Like how many GMs in the modern era where you're just the GM and not say GM coach like a red hour or back. GM player like uh, the logo. Uh, uh, yeah. So like yeah. how many? How, not you know, that right. many. Yeah, I can't think I, of that many. So I like the bar for I don't know what the bar for that is. Um, even more so that I don't know what the bar for that is. Um, how about so Joe Lacob? Joe Lacob. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, team owners, some get they in. They get in. They get in. They, they get, get in. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, I'm all right. I'm not going to go down that path because it, it gets, <laughs> go, goes to some very cynical places. But, um, you know, I, all that's possible. Iguodala is an interesting case, right? Like, finals MVP, uh, but... Olympic gold medal. And yeah. Statistically, you would not think of him, no, right? No. It's kind of like, I don't want to say it's like the Robert Ori case because like Iguodala's got a finals MVP and Ori did not. And Ori didn't have uh, Olympic medals, I don't think either. No, no. Um, but Robert Ori has always been this interesting case where he, he might be the greatest clutch shooter in in postseason history, finals history, or whatever. Greatest clutch shooter for great teams in history, however you want to define it. What he did for the Lakers those years and the Rockets and the Spurs and all the rings he has, he was never a big stats guy, but he was a really important player for all those teams. And his he's got this very unique career profile. And I'm not trying to go too hard to make the case here for him. Uh, Rob will make it we for all him love Rob. We all love Rob. We all love him. But, there's, great, but, great, there, yeah. but there is a case there of sorts. And if and, and I, I just, I think of Iguodala in that regard because Minus the finals MVP, you wouldn't have thought about him otherwise, right? Not statistically, not in terms of other elements, right? He would be a unique case. It doesn't mean he's not someone who should be considered. But um, So the only ones I'd be sure of are the three-star players and Kerr. Yep, yep. All right, great conversation. We can keep going on and on about it. I'm glad you got your Rob Ory uh, plug in there. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Love Rob. Love, 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 love Rob. Look, among other things... um, since we started with uh, Lakers, Kings, Warriors, Kings, 2000 memories, uh, there is that photo that resurfaces every so often on Twitter of me and your successor on the beat for the LA Times, Tim Brown, sitting courtside. You could see us and Chick Hearn, the great legendary Chick Hearn, um, all kind of cracking up or in various states of, of strange uh, uh, reactions on our faces as Robert Ory walks by with his shorts uh, down to his like ankles or knees because the string had had snapped, and and then it was at Arco Arena, and it, I, mean, I think it was in the midst of a Lakers Kings playoff series. So there's there's a fun image to end on. As yeah, long as geez, I've never seen that image, and I don't think I'm going to Google it either. I, uh, <laughs> I thought you were going to say that the tro- the, the the Lawrence O'Brien trophy famous picture. Uh, oh, there's that one. <laughs> that goes around a lot. That one, that one, sir. Oh God, that one's horrifying. That one, that one does surface now Bo and Beck, then too. Jay Adonde, Bill Plaschke, myself, and Brad Turner, I believe, is the yes. group uh, uh, around that the, the 2000. Lakers show. I have no idea how, when that happened. Andy Bernstein, God oh. bless you. Uh, but uh, only, that only time up. I've ever been photographed with the trophy after. A, uh, <laughs> well, you earned it. You earned it. It was a tough season. Uh, for you, you know, you, it you, wasn't. You, it was a tough season for all of us. Really, yeah. <laughs> Lakers put us through hell. All right, Hobeck, thank you so much for coming on. Always a great conversation. Maybe I'll see you during the postseason. I don't, maybe see if GQ might send you to Milan or something. I don't know. You might have some like you know fashion shows. You got. I'm cover. a little concerned they may not want me to be out in public uh, with the wardrobe <laughs> that I have. Lo- GQ logo on something. I may need some time to upgrade my wardrobe before I can properly represent the brand. The brand. Uh, but I'll work on it. Hopefully, Dolce, see you out there somewhere. Dolce and Gabbana. The I think you, that's what it looks like for you. I think your head that way so all good thanks as always everybody it's howard beck and that's the show for today <laughs>